What's happening? It's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit, because I really do give a shit. I don't know if there's much I can do about it, what what's going on in the world or anything, but I really care, and sometimes that's really all you need. Anyway, I'm really glad to be coming to you from the best radio station in the entire uh, Western free world, and uh, that's Radio Free Brooklyn right here in Bushwick. New York, and I have this really uh, fascinating and fabulous um, guest here today, Julia. You know, okay, so here's the thing. Phil and I, my husband Phil and I, like, we, we, you're like the example of, like, the girl that, like, oh, well, Julia could, because she's really, let me tell you guys, she's going to, like, she's probably going to, like, be embarrassed about this, but it's really true. Like, Phil and I, like, think of Julia as, like, the really cool girl who's really gorgeous and always wearing like totally like fascinating clothes and invited to uh, knows like every cl- whatever all the cool scenes are. I'm old. I don't know any of these scenes really. Well, some of them, but not the, any of the ones that Julia knows. And so we're like, well, that's something that Julia Sinokova. Sino, we 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 just garble your last name when Sinelnikova. we talk. Sinelnikova. Sinelnikova. You got it. Okay, we're not going to, Phil and I aren't going to change our, our ways at home, though, okay. That's fine. So that's her name. Um, she is um, s- so multi, such a multifaceted person, or a creative person, really, in so many ways. Um, she makes, she has more of an aesthetic that comes out through jewelry, visual art, the clothes she makes, the installation she makes, the lighting. It's just really a very uh, all-expansive aesthetic. Uh, does that make sense, Julia? Yes. Uh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I create multimedia environments. And Get a little I, closer I to... I create th- multimedia environments, and I also create them on the web so people can experience them in five or more senses. You know what I'm going to do? Because it's so hard to really show the scope of what you do. I'm going to post a photo of something that represents your aesthetic on the website, you and your aesthetic on the uh, Radio Free Brooklyn website under Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. So, But it's all very ethereal and space, kind of futuristic. Is that a good way to put it? Surreal? Yes, futuristic? Yeah, really Is that good? Yeah, surrealism and taking the mind out of the body and um, the work is inspired by myth and and the physics and and you have like kind of a stage name oracle or something like that is that what you call yourself the oracle it's a name that originated with my involvement with vector gallery which i've been working with for the past few years in new york and los angeles it's the official art gallery of satan official art gallery of satan yeah that's cool so anyway, um, but before we really get started, I thought that um, I'm going to try and start talking about myself a little bit in the, the, in the upfront part of this show because I really want to get to know you guys, and I think I, it would be helpful if you get to know me a little bit. I don't want to hide, even though you're not supposed to know anything about the therapist. But uh, we break all the rules. Fuck it. Uh, so today, uh, I wanted to talk about, um, I thought this would be a good time to start talking about myself because there's a big film screening uh, at, at um, Pine Box Rock Shop this Saturday night, uh, September 5th at 8.30. Um, the film's about me, that's right, 
uh, and it's called Cold Feet, and it's made by this incredible filmmaker, Spencer Shilley, who's a personal friend of mine. Who uh, I got it married at age 54, and I never been married, and I really didn't want to get married. I think I think that marriage is like, I think being somebody's wife sa- always sounds so degrading to me. And um, actually what happened was I was engaged for five years, and then um, this is really what happened. And um, Phil's mother was dying, and we were surrounding, we were in the hospital, and a whole bunch of, his entire immediate family was there. And Phil really, we'd been engaged, Phil had been bugging me, when are we getting married, when are we getting married? And his mother was really on her, you know, deathbed, and Phil yelled out, Mom, we're getting married, in front of the whole family. And honest to God, that's how the wedding happened. Um... But it's been good. Our five-year anniversary is coming up, and um, I've had it. It was good for me. I, I, I. It forced me to grow, grow up a little bit, and it, it actually gave me a lot of security, which I realize. Uh, I was very prideful about not needing security, but you know what? I'm a fucking wimp, and I need security. So anyway, the movie is really revealing. I think you know it, it ends in tears and, te- all sorts of. There's a lot of emotions in there that people can relate to, I think. So if you want to stop by 8.30 on um, Saturday night at Pine Box, just say you heard about it on Radio Free Brooklyn, and it's free. Okay. Um, So Julia. um, Julia and I were starting to talk. I want to get into, like, it's really funny because, Julia, you and I see each other. Like, we're involved in a lot of things together. And we're, like, I right. I feel like a really strong uh, connection with you. And I have, obviously, enormous respect for you and all that. But we don't really get to hang out a lot, right? We're both very busy. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, the most we've hung out is the time I gave you a ride somewhere in my car. <laughs> Do you remember that? The most personal moment, I suppose, when we're not surrounded by people. And I was, like, so proud of my driving. Me but, too. yeah, because we're always at these social things. I know. It's so – well, that's the way arts in Bushwick is. But um, so I'm kind of – I'm really excited about the chance to really have a little bit more of a deeper conversation than we normally do get to have. And um, – I know on the subject of marriage, we were talking about that right before weddings. You had a wedding that you're not happy about. Um, but I was saying that you were a lot younger. See, when you get married at 25, it's different. But uh, maybe that's not the best place to start. Let's talk about your childhood, and then maybe we can talk about that, because I think we'll have a little more context. Sure. So um, where did you grow up? I was born in Jerusalem, Israel, and then I stayed with my grandmother in St. Petersburg, Russia, which is where my family comes from, until I was five. Uh, Then I spent most of my childhood in Austin, Texas, and I lived in Houston as well before I moved to New York at 18. So did you live with both your parents? I never knew my father. In fact, I found out that my stepfather wasn't my real father at age 16 from my mother. And I've gathered very little information about him. In fact, I went through thousands of photographs at my grandmother's house in St. Petersburg and found his face cut out of all, including the wedding photos. I'm really sorry. That's terrible. And your mother didn't tell you until you were 16? Yes. I mean, I came to the States to be with my mother and stepfather, a man she married when I was one. 
when I was four or five, so I didn't really have the opportunity to question it. But of course, the not. relationship with him was a bit rough too, and um, him and my mother ended up splitting up when I was seventeen. So, um, yeah, and my, my stepfather also was a very aloof character. He was a professor of philosophy. That's ah. how we came to the U.S., based on a visa that UT offered him in Austin, Texas. So um, it was a pretty strange dynamic. So he must have been a smart guy, though. Definitely. And completely distant, ways. right? All in his head. All intellectual. Yes, distant, emotional, angry, distant. S- the works. So do you have brothers or sisters? I'm an only child. So you basically live with your grandmother, then, in Russia, Yes, for the early years of my life, I was with my grandmother, and she even came to Austin to stay with us for a year and take care of me. Yeah, so that leaves, like, a question, like, what kind of mother did you have? (sighs) Well, I love my mother very much. She's the only family member who I speak to on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. and we have a very close relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's Um, ballsy of her to come to America, right? She's the a ball. She's got to be right? tra- crazy. Yeah. The more I think about it and the older I get, the more amazed and perplexed I get by her courageous decisions. She went, she left when the wall was falling, uh, the wow. Berlin wall. Um, and she wanted to come to the States and she was like in her early twenties, but she ended up only being able to get a flight out to Israel, which is where she went and where a lot of Russian Jews went. Right. And she finished her studies there. That's why I was an Israeli citizen up until three years ago, even mm-hmm. though I grew up in the States. I've, I have not had U.S. citizenship most of my time here. And then she isolated herself, really, I think, culturally in Texas in a way, even though she's found a whole new life there, a lot of which she really enjoys and opportunities she couldn't have had. So she met your stepfather and got married and moved to Texas. Is that what happened? Indeed, yes. Yeah, she was with my father, and they went to Israel together, but it quickly did not pan out. And then she met my stepfather there as well, mm. who's also Russian. So, um, so what did, did your mother work or what did she do? Yes, my mother is a hard worker. She's the one who supported our family most of my childhood, actually, because, Mm -hmm. um, as I explained, my stepfather was into philosophy and at some point that adjunct, adjunct tenure ran out at UT and he ended up getting a master's in business like my mom. My mom has a like a master's in English literature and a master's in business. Wow. And she she learned Chinese and lived in China. She's She's done all this stuff, and she, wow. she really just, her as a young person, she told me her goal was to get out of Russia with English. It was the only way that you wow. could go. And then, you know, once she arrived at her new life, she had to get a business degree to establish the wow. kind of life that she wanted. So I think she told me when, when I moved into to Texas to live in university housing with them, she would always come home like right around when I got home from school, but she told me she was working for like $10 an hour at a communications company at first. Wow. And, you know, now she's a financial analyst. She's trying to get her CPA. Um, wow. But she's, uh, along with all that passion and hard work, she's um, the most high-stress individual I know. Wow. <laughs> she's a really impressive, I mean, that sounds like a really impressive, interesting woman, but Indeed. probably um, hard for a very young child to have as a mother for a very young child. I mean, I, I think she was a good mother, but it's uh, she passed on to me her neuroses, which I'm dealing with now as a young adult. You know, I didn't really have any other family members to kind of spread that out to or get a different perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah, you mean like you felt because your background is really pretty unusual, right? 
Right. I mean, and I was an only child, and um, right. she's, my, my mother is very anxious, and so am I. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it keeps us in a state of fear it's, from some it's, of our goals, I it's think. Bio- it's biological. Yeah. You know, I, I sh- I'll probably, I probably, oh, God, I'll probably get arrested for saying this, but, <laughs> um, you know, antidepressants can, I think antidepressants, because if you have, it can, like, a lot of people that have um, anxiety and it's based on, like, just biology, which it sounds like yours is, uh, sometimes antidepressants can help that, I, th- I think. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything. That's just what I've seen, my, my opinion. But um, because, see, what happens is when anxious, depress people that get anxious, depressed, they feel like it's their, like there's something wrong. But I think a lot of times it's just the biology of it. And because your mother was like that, you, whatever, right. you know. Um, so, you know, it really surprises me that you're so anxious because, <laughs> like, you honestly, I mean, like, this is really interesting that we're having this conversation, interesting to me anyway, and you guys out there. I mean, like, when I see, I'm going to talk to you people, Julia. When I see Julia, Julia is, like, um, and when I see her out, she's always the most stunning and remarkable person in the room or the or the what festival or the whatever she totally totally stands out and has a lot of charisma and you know she's one of those people that like really presents in the most in a very powerful confident way so and and it seems super popular so so can you explain can you explain what is there a difference Julia between what I'm seeing you understand why I say see this, right? Absolutely, and I've been told that by some of the people closest to me, um, whose the relationships have been affected by my anxiety. Um, people who know me very well will observe how confidently I project, and um, that's something I learned over time. You know, I remember growing up riding in the car when I was less than ten years old. We had two years of negotiation tapes in the car. Oh, hilarious! Self esteem for another year. Um, this was just for my mother's sake. It's not like she was trying to expose me, but of course she would be like, um, "Are you listening to this?" You know, and it was kind of fascinating to drive That's around. Crazy. Texas. She, I think she was going through her master's at the time, uh. and probably it was recommended to her or something. You know, you drive a lot in the south. Um, yeah, I love self help stuff. Are you kidding? Yeah, I've never, I've never really accessed it that much outside of that, but. Um, Needless to say, with my mother as an example and that kind of atmosphere and the whole Russian background of just, uh, it's very academic, I got the push to present myself in a certain way. Wow. And in, 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 in as precise and perfect of a way as possible in every setting. Wow, that's a lot. That. So that must be a lot of pressure. Indeed. I put a lot of pressure on myself to good and bad results. Um, when I'm able to let go of some of my anxieties and detach from them, like when I have a lot of projects on my plate that I'm happy about or right. have some upcoming deadlines, a collaboration, something energizing like that, it takes my mind off of these issues. But um, when things slow down and I have time to examine myself, I never really had that time um, or space psychologically or emotionally to work out that you know the negative aspects of that anxiety that holds me back so it's it it feels like a drop so would you say that you use um maybe like a workaholic kind of 
quality to mask your anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you can always get a lot of positive feedback on workaholism. <laughs> in America, it's approval. you sure can. Yeah, there's a lot of approval there. I, I've just worked so hard, I feel, as an adult, that I kind of had a, you know, like a, a burnout, like rundown energy feeling a couple years ago. And I've just been kind of trying to restructure my life since then, even though I'm still really susceptible to that workaholic cycle. Right. Um, I really notice how certain like piling on of certain experiences can can make it really difficult for you to just work on your personal life. So I'm trying always to simplify things. You might know I used to organize a whole lot of events in Bushwick. Yes. And um, for over the last couple of years, I kind of transitioned to more of making and showing my work and helping other people with events and, and kind of injecting my energy into a structure because I, I let my I let all these projects rest on me, which was really fun. But it became kind of like a domino effect of there's there's no stop. <laughs> right. You know? And and did you go to college? Yes, I went to FIT for fine arts here in Chelsea in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So you have a college degree and all art that. Art history. Yeah. Art history. Mm-hmm. So 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 um, I'm just thinking like I'm just picturing all this. I'm 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 synthesizing all this in my head. Wow. So, I really think it's important to talk about this issue wider, too, because I think a lot of people suffer from the same thing in New York and in the creative world overall. People are asked to present themselves in a certain way of mm-hmm. confidence and fulfillment and, and just like workaholism and success. And there's really very little structure to kind of help people get out of that and access their emotional self and be right. clear with that when, when you're not engaged with these high-pressure career projects. So do you, you know? feel, I totally, I totally, yeah, I mean, that's that's an excellent, excellent point. We're all, like, running away from ourselves as fast as we can. I agree. <laughs> yes, uh, so did you think about your emotional life much before, before you know, last years or so? And you're only 25, by the way. I'm only it's a 25. It's an old yeah. soul here. Feel, feels like much longer. Um, can't believe I've reached this age now. Yeah, I mean, I was in school for a long time. I graduated early from high school, and I worked on an environmental campaign and took classes, and then it took me a, a year to get into school in New York that I wanted to finish. And um, so six years later, I graduated, and before then, I didn't really have a lot of opportunity to look at my emotional life because while I was in school, I was working a job, and I was mm-hmm. volunteering, and I was curating shows, and I... Sh- truly believed I could and would do it all, all at Mm, once. mm. Um, And, you know, once mm -hmm. I had time to kind of just just work create my own lifestyle all of these concerns started to bubble to the surface. So you haven't, see, because like, um, you know uh, some, like in my like for me, I mean, I've always like just by nature contemplated my navel, which isn't actually that healthy either, but you know (laughs) Um, but for you, it sounds like, you know, with like the way you were brought up in a very disciplined way and your fat father or stepfather being so rational, Stern. everybody sounds really rational. So you, maybe you, well, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, both of my parents are, were extremely emotional, even though, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of like acerbic Eastern European quality was present, um, 
my mother's the same as me. She she feels very deeply, um, but she takes on a lot that requires mechanical work and focus. Um, that's kind of right. something I do to temper um, my introspective state. I've like always a, been very introspective. O- you know. Occupational therapy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I know. I do it. I've done it. It's ocu- occupational therapy is a great is a great thing. Um, but you make great stuff that's very creative. Doesn't it's not quite that cut and dry. Nothing like real occupational therapy Ah. just to be clear (laughs) but you know so I wanted to ask you like about your involvement like in I don't I don't want to use I I don't want to sound like a dork and say the word like what is it raves or I don't uh, electronic music electronic music right like I mean um for for a while there um it seemed like you were really you know very heavily involved in like you know like if I wanted to go to a party in the middle of the night that was totally happening, you would be the person to get in touch well, with. Well, it's just the setting for creativity in the kind of context that I'm working in these days, and I think it really came to me on its own. I've always loved electronic music since I was like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing I've listened to, um, and I used to DJ around the city for a few years. Okay, yeah. Um, and then at some point, I just decided it's really time to focus on my visual art, which is my passion. And I think the thing I'm best at, it's just the most natural to me and has been my whole life. And I wanted to always do something really different with the medium and, and mm-hmm. break which the mold. Which you are. You know, and oh, absolutely. When I was in school, I looked at the art we were being shown, and I didn't want a pedestal, and I didn't want a frame. I wanted something that would engage outside of those senses. Mm-hmm. So I make light installations mm-hmm. primarily. They move, they reflect, uh, they are interactive for visitors. For example, for my last piece, I had a webcam which allowed the visitor to project their face onto the sculpture. Oh, that's cool. Modes. Oh, wow. So um, I'm really just trying to bring the viewer. Was that in, in L.A.? Physically. That was in Austin where I had a residency. Oh, right. And then right. in L.A. I did a performance. and I organized the performances for uh, Vector Galleries opening there. Wow. Um, so it was our first show in, Must in Los been Angeles. Awesome. It was wonderful. So let's talk about the party drug and alcohol aspect of being. I mean, there's a big big uh or at least from what i can tell i mean that's you know definitely taking like ecstasy seems like the best way to enjoy that whole thing and help you stay (laughs) up late so did you get involved in in that stuff i imagine how could you not i mean i've taken it it's never been my favorite thing or something i've done much but i would definitely say that the whole environment of not just raves electronic music and clubs but also art the art scene and just like the whole kind of like industry around it very much encourages substance use for endurance, glamour, and taking the edge off, quote unquote. Um, people in New York, I don't know if this happens to you, but in my age group, I might be out somewhere, um, you know, like an art show or a bar, even though I don't drink anymore, um, and have people I know offer me free drugs like ketamine three mm-hmm. times before 10 p.m. It's that's, mm-hmm. that's the it's very saturated you know it's like um I, I mean I, th- I feel like we all know there's a lot of different reasons why it's part of the culture but um it's 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 seen as this kind of inevitable thing but um, right right uh, right just like when I go to a bar, I assume I'm going to have a drink. It's I don't not think just bars, though. It's like I've no, no. But I mean, for me, world work environments where my boss will ask me for drugs or offer oh. them to me. 
in professional uh, because you're settings. working right I could see yeah. that I could see that so so does that so I mean is it just like did how does that affect <laughs> drinking and alcohol uh, drinking and so you don't drink let's talk about being sober so are you so, I mean if it's okay with you that's okay. totally fine yeah right now I've been sober from alcohol and all drugs except for weed uh-huh. which keeps me sane uh, for about four months and um, it's been great it really takes the edge off my panic attacks to be completely honest uh-huh. so um, I'm speaking to all you people out there yeah. complaining about your panic attacks it really decreased the frequency because we all know technically what those things do to you um, you know like you lose sleep you lose quality of sleep and when you lose sleep you also lose the ability to, to retain and form happy memories it's a scientific study oh interesting you know? I did um, not know that so you focus on the negative interesting um, I did not know that yeah so I mean that's just one little aspect mm-hmm. of it and I don't um, you know I've been doing this for myself uh, not to send a message to the people around me that they should do something differently but right. I just reached a stage in my life where it just it's really weird just one day overnight it seemed so uninteresting to me and I just really wanted my days to be about making my work um, so you stop do you yeah. think drinking made you anxious yes drinking also made me likely to do other things that <laughs> I didn't want to do was, you know you mean like other 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 drugs other drugs uh, interacting with people who I might actually find boring and annoying or right. manipulative but right. not so if I'm uh-huh. under the influence um it's right. it's really a vicious cycle um but it it really depends on the person you know I right. had a time in my life where I managed um you know being able to go out and party um, well, you're now, young. now when I go out, I, st- I mean, I still go out plenty. I just mm-hmm. focus on the music. And that's what it's always been about for me. Right. And, like, I feel like the art world is really, the, you know, like a modern contemporary art world is really driven by music and its creation and the aesthetics around it. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. That's the inspiration for my mm-hmm. multimedia work. Mm-hmm. And that's why I work in so many nightlife settings. Just It's just natural. Mm-hmm. And you won the award for, like, best nightlife artist, right? I know. Yeah, you- I was nominated for Brooklyn Nightlife Award for that. And um, you won it, right? I didn't win it. it oh, was, you were really close, really though. Really close, though. But yeah, everyone in the, in the contest was really close, and you know what? There was four of us nominated, and we all did a collaborative project at Pace University as a commission right afterwards. I did not right know afterwards. that. So it was really oh, interesting. wow. That is so cool. So you got yeah. to meet some really great people, but yeah. you're definitely like up there. <laughs> Thank you. And um, so let's so anyway, so do you feel like, not, you know, being sober has helped you? And it doesn't sound like you go to AA or anything like that. No, I mean, and it's like, I, do, I don't know. It's just, I just don't know if I identify with that method of treatment for some reason. But, um, I mean, I've been able to, to, to kind Just of stop like on your it. own. Yeah, I feel really Did, lucky. Was there a particular incident that happened to you? or? Well, I had a major breakup after a long relationship early in the year and Mm -hmm. it caused me to give a hard look at myself and make sure that I was taking care of myself as best I could and I realized that I really wasn't you know I was just sabotaging a lot of stuff so you had a long-term relationship right with someone and um did they end it or you ended or circumstances or we were talking about the wedding or um yeah, I mean, I don't want to dive too deeply, but yeah. it was a circumstantial thing, which I ended, but I really felt personally pressured 
to end because it was such an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. So it really um, took balls on your port. Yeah. It, it must have taken a, a lot of courage. It was something I never thought I would have to do because well, it was just such a deep relationship. Um, and were, I, yeah. Were you surprised by your own courage? I mean, it's impressive to me. I don't know. It's like it's 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 when you when you're on the darker end of it, it's hard to see it as courage. You're just like I have to get out of here. Yeah, but I mean, I, I try to appreciate that. It's yeah, you know, you it's, will. it's just more about there was like this moment where I wasn't getting nurtured by my surroundings, and I'm not just talking about the relationship, yeah, but just like the entire settings. And I've been really working to kind of create a nourishing environment where I can be productive and then stop and be a person as well um, it's just something that's discouraged in our culture it's encouraged is to drive forward until you crash it's really encouraged it's encouraged in the tabloids and it's encouraged in our work environments and it's encouraged in how we're taught um, so I'm trying to as an adult realizing this detach myself from that system it's well it is difficult. really good to hear that actually because yeah. it's like really hard to even re- like I have a hard time relaxing on a vacation oh my god vacation just I don't even know what that is. I mean, I just traveled. I was on a residency. Yeah. I did an art show with my best friend in Los Angeles. Um, you know, it was really fun. But the idea that you're going to just go to a beach and forget about your problems is just so foreign to me. It's so hard to shed my introspective shell. And also, like, we're just put under such incredible pressure as human beings, you know. What, like, what do you like think? It's kind of hard to get away yeah. for a decent amount of time. Yeah. So what, yeah. what do you think, like, if, if what would, like, not being, like, you're talking about being driven, driven to be mm-hmm. productive. So what yeah. would that look like? Like, what would, what do you think a balance is? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out very much, but, um... I think it involves having supportive, stable people in your life. Right. It's one of the most difficult things to come by. I think you're today. right. Um, I mean, that it's is proven. so true. It's proven. It's it's like uh, that's kind of one of the main things they study when they look at kids doing well and not well in school. You know, um, time for station ID in case you've just tuned in or in case you want to be reminded what you're doing. Hey, I'm right here. It's Dr. Lisa, and you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn on the Internet. You're doing a great job of listening. And I'm learning a lot from Julia Sinokolova. Sinokolova. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, whatever Phil says, really. Right. Um, so, but, um, no, it's really it. Is, uh, I mean, it is something that it's something I I struggle with that. I think about that because I take on a lot of projects, and I think like the harder you work, the more successful you will be. And being successful is really important. And being a worth. I think I'm just trying to find. I think there's this thing of trying to find your value That's through really your work. That's a interesting point. When I was in LA after our show. Um, I, I was talking with JJ, my partner for Vector, mm-hmm. for a long time, hours about what does that word success signify? It's it's so ridiculously relative, and just the the concept of it is actually so abstract. Success, you are accomplishing a task which you set a goal for, 
to the extent that you decided to accomplish it. But it, you know, it's it's we also we we as in as a mental signifier, as a symbol, a language symbol, we identify it with this kind of like global social uh, structure. Like what what is success? you know, as defined by this bureaucracy that we're embedded in. It's it's very depersonalized. Yes, um, yes. Well, I mean, I know, I mean, for me, and I think, you know, I think what happens is um, whatever self-esteem issues I have that I can't quite solve or plan, I've given up solving them. I just embrace them, actually. I try to anyway. So... I try to, I think a lot of people, maybe, uh, substituting with trying to get people to say you did a good job. It's about outside recognition. And that's what I struggle with because that's a black hole. (laughs) Like when people start saying to me, but Lisa, you're so this or you're so that, I'm just like, thank you, that's a black hole. (laughs) Because I could, could, you know, you know, I mean, it starts, and a little girl's like, I remember as a little girl, like, oh, you're drawing so good. No, yours is good. No, yours is good. No, no. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of that. Well, in the States, we have this whole thing that other places don't have where we're like, everybody is great and special, extra special. Oh, yes. And we are going to treat each other as equally great at all times and make sure we're self-deprecating to that um, in Europe, I think they have a little bit of a different thing where they're like, well, you're not good at this, so you're going to this school instead. See, that's so much better. <laughs> so much better. You can be anything you want to be, even though you're like five foot two and you want to be a professional basket. Whatever you want, you can do it, honey. It's, yeah, we're, it actually creates a, a a weird network in your brain when people tell you that. You yeah, know? and also it really... It really um, uh, confuses you as to finding what you're good at. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, since we're told that we can do anything and everything in a system which clearly doesn't provide equally for, you know, just, yeah. just bring it back again to like our school system is very important. It's the basis of our society. Right. You know, that we're raising our future generations and, um, you know, it's it's like it, it, if you don't get any help early on to kind of identify your weaknesses and your strengths, then it's really hard to pursue those strengths. And then you see so many students go to college and people get out in the world. Maybe they don't go to school and they have like in America, I feel like a lot of young people like myself have a long period where you have to try different things. Yes, because it's 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 assumed that for some reason after that system of being told you're great at 18, you suddenly know what exactly you're great at. Right. You'll be doing it for the rest of your life. Right. And, uh, you right. know, the, it's uh, kind of like guidance-free at that point. <laughs> well, also, the, I mean, the big problem is, too, is that we have our heroes like Kim Kardashian. And the, and the problem <laughs> is, it's like Kim Kardashian isn't exceptional in any way except, I don't know, marketing, which is partly because of her family background. But um, so we look at Kim Kardashian and I'm like, well, I'm as good looking as her. I'm as smart as her. She can't even sing. I can draw. I can do this. I'm right. c- I could be rich and famous. It's just our values about being rich and famous are the ultimate goals. Right. And that's also so relative. And no one, I believe the most richest people are never, they're the ones who worry about money the most. Mm. Mm. I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, it seems to me. 
So um, let's go back to you. So let's. Um, so you've been dealing with a lot of anxiety, and I thought, yeah. like, since since this is like we do give a shit that maybe um, there's something that we could talk about as how you're working on making, you know, bringing some calm into your life. And maybe we can talk about it and see if we can, you know, other people can get some, will definitely get some value out of hearing yours. You talk about it. I'm sure for sure. sure. So what's, what's going on in your life right now? Like, um, you mean like on anxiety? Value, yeah. 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 Emotionally what's going on. Sure, yeah. Um, I feel like I have a lot of interesting and wonderful things in my life that I've always wanted, but I feel less secure on the inside about like myself and my value of those things than ever before, which is really confusing. Um, again, it has to do with like, you know, breaking up in a relationship that I valued so greatly, of mm-hmm. course, and like um, just kind of facing the harsh realities of like, you know, like emotional problems, health are you, problems, like... Are you disillusioned uh, about what you want? <clears throat> or what you thought you wanted? Or what you thought you had? Are you feeling right, like... Yeah, I mean, a little bit disillusioned about what I thought I had, but I, I think I think I've... I think I've always had it really well, and so what, sure. what I'm most concerned about right now is the kind of, like, emotional problems that I have that don't seem to have a rational basis in my day-to-day life as an adult. I mm-hmm. mean, I was educated in a good school. I did exceptionally well. I got a grant. Yeah. And all these residencies. Yeah. And yeah. all of my jobs have been fascinating. But, um, yeah. you know, it's like it's really hard to get out there and make money as an artist. And for a long time, I had this support system, which broke down. Um, and it's just... You know, like, when I'm out and about and doing projects, it's so easy for me to forget these things. But the rest of the time, like I mentioned, it's just, I just look at myself and I'm like, why do I exist? It makes, <laughs> it makes me, it makes me, I've never, I've never considered taking antidepressants or mood-altering chemicals before in my life, but only in, like, recent weeks. And this has been after after my whole life of struggling with this stuff. Have I been really thinking about it? Um, at this point, I'm just looking for all and any solutions to just just get rid of that that panic feeling in my body because it prevents me from eating and talking to people sure no (laughs) i get i hear you i hear you i'll accept any kind and you don't even know know, like so you don't even know exactly because it on the surface does it feel like you know you're busy and things are are good what about um your support system did did you um do you did I mean, you have I don't, to I don't really feel very connected to it because I really feel like my support system has always been my mom and then there was that relationship and and now I'm dating someone else actually who's really nice and wonderful mm-hmm. to me but um you know just like overall that kind of drama crushed a lot of relationships in my life there's right. certain people that I don't talk to right. anymore and certain people that I have trouble imagining just communicating with right um, and and i'm an extremely emotionally sensitive person i right. think one of my strengths is a weakness also I, I connect with people really easily my yeah my roommate was just remarking about this and i was just telling her how um someone i'd met that we both knew had told me something about their childhood that was traumatic and like how it affected them and she just looked at me and she's like wow how did you get that person to tell you that? <laughs> I, I was just like, I don't know. They just told me. And she observed that, you know, like 
how quickly I, I form that connection. But it also, it's a double-edged sword, you know? It really hurts me when those connections are, they're, they're rarely as deep as they are for me, for the other person. Right, right, um, I get Because I'm so sensitive, and, like, yeah. you know, like, I feel like that's what allows me to be the artist that I am. Right. But it also doesn't protect me in this harsh world. So these days, like, anything that'll put a smile on my face or make me feel a little calm, like... I don't know, like ice cream or posting a <laughs> selfie. I'm so accepting of. <laughs> well, that's you good. Know? So you're learning how <sighs> to get get some compassion for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. also, um, uh, uh, um, excuse me if I'm going too deep into the fake sure. shrink mode, but like I, something that really struck me that you talked about was um, that we kind of maybe glossed over that I wonder would affect you is um, when you found out that your stepfather, you were 16, and your stepfather wasn't your real father. Yeah, it was a really harsh experience. I mean, he was physically abusive. It wasn't very Um, traumatic, but it was, uh, you know, I guess I say that because I've known so many worse uh, instances. Well, it's your life, so that's all that counts. Yeah, for me. um, He was physically abusive. He was physically abusive. That's a big deal. And it was, you know, to me and my mother, and I just, I remember sometimes in elementary school, I went to school with the bruise, and, like, I didn't know how off that was, you know, but I could feel it destroying something in me as a child, like, as a five-year-old, but it, it was, like, there was just nothing to do about it, and then kind of, like, Right around then, when I found out about it, like, I was just screaming at my mother because I was so fed up. Um, We were on a trip. We were in the Czech Republic, and I was just like, who's my real father? I just threw it out there as an insult, and she screamed back, he's dead. And then, no, he wasn't dead. I was just like, what, 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 what? You know, so eventually I got some parts of the story out of her, but there seemed to be very little to tell. Oh, wow, that's like... I'm so I'm I'm just going to be all judgy and just say like that's the worst way to ever find that out possibly. My I was, mother really wanted to protect me, I guess. Well, yeah. I imagined your mother like sitting down and going, "Honey, I didn't tell you this before, but now you're ready to know." Because <laughs> here's the thing, I think it's a really like when I'm wondering about what I what I'm feeling protective of you. I'm going to put it that way. What I'm feeling protective of you about is um that I want to, that I'm concerned that um, that's kind of a big deal that you didn't know that you're just in the level of trusting people or right. believing people or believing your own world. For you some know? reason, I still very much trust so many people. It's only this year that I've had such a breakdown that I've had a l- some trouble trusting people, but I still really, really trust people, and then it, it, it like, often bites back so it's kind of like it's like this weird thing because I'm so you know emotionally connecting like I also like I bring with that a kind of natural trust in people it's a weird thing well I also think that um you know you're really intuitive obviously yes and so you kind of get us I think that you trust yourself in knowing who you can trust and I'll bet you're right a lot of the time yeah, and a lot of people will, you know, like when you're in situations, will try to tell you their opinion. And I'm very receptive to people yeah. again because I'm so, you know, emotionally connected. So um, it's almost hard for me to not take advice. Um, 
one day yeah. I remember so so JJ Bryan and I have been having these really deep conversations mm-hmm. deeper than I've had with anybody in my life for mm-hmm. since we've met since the day we met and I remember one time you know right when this breakup was happening and I was really going through the crisis of it um you know I was just ranting to him like this is going on what to do and he just stopped me at some point and he he told me you need to stop asking people what to do <laughs> and that was like a real surprise to learn for me because I realized that I, I, I he, he told me you're at whenever you make a decision that you're not sure about you ask every single person that you meet about it um, and when when I thought about it he was right um, so that's that's another thing that I fight because it's so interesting to me what people think like I'm just like what what do you think what would you do and then I realize how that 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 really uh, clogs the pipes you know? Yeah, well, it it is going to screw with your instincts, but also, um, yeah, I mean, you you want to know. I mean, I can understand doing that. Believe you me, uh, <laughs> big on that myself sometimes. It's but fun. <laughs> um, but it does always like that happened to me. Yeah, that happened to me yesterday. I asked somebody I was making this presentation. I asked a friend of mine what I should present, and she told me to make this thing first. And my thing was some like if I put that at the bottom and done what I thought I would have been in a much better position so I mean yeah I get it you really uh, have to follow your intuition, which is another thing our our social structure, our society, our success system drives against. Intuition is de-emphasized. Intuition is the only thing. It's the only thing. Um, I've, I've found every instance of myself not following my own intuition to be catastrophic. Absolutely. We want to put numbers <laughs> and data. We're into big data. We want to – because, like, the way that you can – show that you made like if you're in business and you want to show that you made the right decision putting your budget behind this if you have numbers that show that that was the right thing to do then you can't get in trouble for the decision you made and i think that's 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 a big part of it too and especially well (laughs) you know well then you gotta you still gotta find a woman to blame it on come on of course so um but did you feel angry? I mean, I did you feel betrayed by your mother that for not telling you, or did did right, that occur yeah, to you? Of course, of course, for many years, um, and did I continued you, did, to feel re-betrayed when she wouldn't tell me what I thought. You know, was the whole story, but like, yeah. So um, did you talk to her about it and try to resolve it, or? Of course, yeah, many times, um, but I could feel the pain coming on to her of not wanting to talk about it uh, every time. Um, so it's, know, it's really hard for her to talk about. Yeah. We have a lot of the same qualities emotionally, you know? Right. Um, she's just a lot better at packaging those emotions, I think, than I am because I trust my intuition so much. Um, it, it kind of like a... It, you mean it, you it allows my emotions to also run wild over my psyche, too. You mean you trust your intuition when you feel... Because you were, we were just talking about how it's hard to trust your intuition. I feel like I'm better at trusting my intuition than a lot of people around me, you know? But um, it doesn't uh, necessarily solve my life. I don't know you mean intuition right. about, like, what what's going on with people? Right, and then decisions, you know? Like, am I going to take this job? Am I going to go to this place? Am I going to meet this person? Am I going to form a bond with them? Um, 
I feel like unable to kind of act outside of my intuition in a lot of settings. Like I've tried it and mm-hmm. it just, it was, like I said, not good. So, but, um, but we just, I mean, I'm just curious because we were just talking about that. You were saying that you asked that JJ said that you asked people what to do. I just want to be cl- uh, trying to understand. It's a, yeah, it's like, that's interesting. I don't know. There, there's it's, two it's, aspects of it. Um, I so guess, those I guess, are separate aspects yeah, to you? I have trouble acting, so I'll ask a lot of people what they, what they think, you know? Maybe my friends wouldn't say that, though, because I, I feel like people who know me think of me as really active. Maybe I just feel like my, uh, what's going on outside of me is the exact opposite of what's going on in my head. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, what is that called? What disorder is that? <laughs> Dis- disconnected. Yeah. Um, that know. sounds like the uh, that sounds like infinite jest or something. I feel like I'm in a parallel universe, and I really identify with that book. <laughs> infinite jest. Yeah. Did you read book. it? I'm in the middle I, of it. I read that entire book. It was so fascinating. Yeah. Wow, it's a um, hard book. I skipped a few tennis pages. Seriously, come on, dude. But um, well, I'm audio booking. When it, you so. when you when you read that story, which is I guess. Uh, about the suicidal alcoholic guy with delusions about the future, I, mm-hmm. I, I guess you could sum it up as. Um, it's mm-hmm. really fantastical. I mean, what a mind. He died really young, but what a mind. He just, he just, he just, um, he was one of those really intuitive, emotional people who tried to act in a rational world. Yes, that's a lot of what I think the book is about. I, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a pretty um, powerful example and hard to access. It is really, hard to it, it access. Is, yeah, I've tried to get people to read it, but it's it's like, it's, a, it's like it's, 1,500 pages or something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've been audiobooking it, and that's hard enough. And it's right. really confusing because you don't – got to go back and now – I'm, now I'm reading a book about how to read about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so – so you're you. So it sounds like um, you're in a really regrouping phase in your life. Yes. Like yeah. you've had like a lot of stuff happen to. Well, you know, you've you've gone through a certain phase, and now you're sort of, um, let's say, bu- building building the foundation for a new phase. Is that what it seems like to me? Does that sound right, right to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 really trying to do it, and it's really hard. It's like there's just not a lot of structure for right. me to access. I feel like I'm. I just feel um. And I feel like a lot of people could identify with this. A lot of creative people. I just feel really different from from like the settings that I keep being placed in. Of like, you know, like I've worked in in art business. I've worked in the art market. I've worked mm-hmm. in DIY settings. I've worked mm-hmm. in the club. I, you know, like right. I, I've I've kind of I've I've done such a spectrum of different projects. Um, and I really enjoy putting my creativity out there when I'm doing stuff. But it's like. I don't know. It's just uh, it's really hard for artists to access resources to create ideas long term, as I'm sure you know. And it, it's it's a it's a real struggle to accept that well, and mm-hmm. try to create alternatives for yourself. So so are we talking also about earning a living? Just the of course the very yeah, I mean, so it's so really difficult. Yeah. Is that is that what you're you're really is that a real is that what we're talking about? in a certain way like Absolutely. how to earn a living yeah because i i have um i have trouble in a corporate setting as right the person that i am um and by trouble i mean like i really can't do it right no <laughs> I, I get it. it yeah and so um that's the easiest way to survive in a capitalist society it is and um and it's I, hard I, i've i've chosen the hardest way i've been um i was working you know at various companies and had long-term position until a couple years ago so for about 
almost three years I've been freelancing and it's been the most interesting and rewarding time mm -hmm. in my work life. Um, like I really feel like it's allowed my career to grow into the direction that I want. But um, you so know, for, I feel like for people looking from the outside towards, you know, like I, I really am really honored that some people admire my work. And then I know that there's a lot of people kind of that I know that are similarly, you know, like really active and a lot of people look towards them. But I think it's really important for everyone to keep in mind and be really honest about the struggle that comes with being, um, you know, really independent and self-identifying in our society. Well, you know, it's really interesting because this is really similar to the conversation that I had last week with Amber Nelson, who's a comedian. Mm -hmm. And I was asking her if comedians feel insulted or are shy about talking about what they do for, for money. And she said that she... You know, she, we talked about, you know, she has a very humbling job. Uh, you know, she does make money in entertainment. But um, so we were just talking about how people, you know, really need to talk, creative people really need to talk more about how they're earning a living, I think. Sure. Because um, somehow, I mean, they want to, uh, pretend pre, they need to present or we're we're asked to present this image that we're making a living doing whatever it is our creative work is or that we have some magical force funding all of our projects that's another image that a lot of people are encouraged to create. yeah there's a lot well there is that is <laughs> that is that and i mean yeah. to go back to like why I, partly why i was resistant to getting married because i had worked so long and supported myself in corporate america right so, um, so when you say you're freelancing, do you mean like just really doing sure, your art, yeah, like I the talk installations? About how I pay my bills for sure. Um, yeah, I mean definitely the installations and the art. I can say proudly this year has taken over at least half of my income. That's which impressive. Is really incredible. You know, like I, I know mm -hmm. that's a gift as a young person, mm -hmm. but. Um, it's, I'm just at this point, career-wise, where I have, like, I'm running this art studio in Brooklyn. It's the only way I can make these installations to have a nice space. So you're running it, it for somebody that owns the studio. Is that what you mean? Your studio? No, it's like I've got my own lease, finally. Oh, you have finally. the lease. Yeah, this is and my you... first lease. I've, been in a st I've had a studio in Brooklyn for, like, the last four or five years, but this is my first lease since the beginning of the year. So it's, like, it's a, it's a really difficult thing to, like, to make all the stuff and pay for it. It's just a, it's like a, it's like a profit margin, right? So other stuff that I do, um, been really lucky. It's again, it's like event production, a lot mm -hmm. for music. I've worked in nightclubs and like at warehouse parties to help produce the event. Um, mm -hmm. You know, do the promotion, aesthetics, decorate it, and you know, like get mm -hmm. get people to get tickets and drinks, and you mm -hmm. know, like I do costumes mm -hmm. to help promote all that. And it's it's all really fun, but of course, hard work that doesn't pay much. You might assume, you know, it's like well, it's, yeah. It's a, I know so many people in the industry of arts, event, production, and galleries, and I know, you know, like, I know these directors personally, sure. and I, I know how people will put on these, like, really massive, glamorous events in New York City and our Basel, and 
I know their profit margin is very little, and I know some days I'll see them after doing something like that, and maybe they lost money, and like mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. Um, so there's not a lot of money in it, not like corporate America. It's yeah, just not a it's, it's like not the an efficient. That I do are like they're they're really fun, glamorous. A lot of people come um, and yeah. hear about it. It's written about. These are all cultural capital. We call them right. Yeah, we get cultural capital out of it, right. but. Um, uh, well, a lot. One of the main problems I have to mention, just freelancing and this yeah. kind of work. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, again, I just like I do like modeling, door stuff. You know, yeah, you I can totally like, see that. Like something, yeah. you know, like showy and event related stuff and design for costumes. And so in this work, um, a lot of the clients that I work with, and um, you know, in general, like artists deal with this on a global scale, especially in the U.S. because our rights are very unprotected. There's a lot of instances that come up, even though I do a contract and do everything right, right, where I'll do a project and someone will decide it's their prerogative not to pay me, or uh, maybe my yeah. work will be damaged and there's nothing I can do right. about it because I can't afford a lawyer. And right. This has happened a few times very dramatically and yeah. many times to a small degree. So not only am I doing the work of like my, my, da- my day life is writing proposals in InDesign, in Adobe InDesign. I'm sitting there dragging images, writing ideas, and sending them to potential clients and people have reached out to me hoping that for that free work I did proposing, they'll be able to provide me a small budget which is pretty modest usually because you're using materials and then like getting from that point to making the product and getting paid is so much more work than like a you know, yeah, let's talk. Yeah, let's remember that. Yeah. So we're going to have to um, wrap up because we only have four minutes left. And I want to encourage you guys to um, look at the Radio Free Brooklyn website because I'm going to be posting some stuff of Julia's work. And so yeah. you can get a better idea about, you know, what it is that we're talking about. Um, and thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn uh, on the Internet. Um but um, before we go, I just want to f- see if I can find out, is there anything practical that, like, I mean, have you ever thought of just, you know, getting a job that, like, in a cafe or in a, I mean, that doesn't pay well. But, I mean, is there something practical that you've, these things, to me, as your mother, don't <laughs> sound practical. I mean, they don't sound, they sound much harder than just making money in a store or something. What, what's to be your, honest, once I stopped working in those kinds of settings where you're getting paid less than a living wage, even though you have job security, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I did have, I had a job at a frame shop for five years. Oh, okay. And I was like, I maxed out at 16 an hour, didn't get mm-hmm. a raise for the last couple of years. And then I decided to try this freelance thing. I can honestly say I've made a lot more money because ah. I'm able to look for better opportunities and just kind of like... It's, it's, it's just been working my way up, to be honest. But, I've you know, like, when you're in the day job setting, this is what I warn against. Like, it sounds practical because that's what society tells us. But when you're in that setting, you're really blocked from networking. Right. You're blocked from proposing. And right. And then you're blocked from creating um, independently. You know, right. just, your, your, your energy is going towards sustaining so, that and you only have a little bit left. So this is art. a good lesson that you, you – and you're actually building – it sounds like – I mean, got to remember – people she's only 25 (laughs) i feel 40 so 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 you are building a career in the event music art world though because it sounds like you're beginning to make more money or you've been able to increase that's been the growth 
avenue for you. It's been a growth avenue. I've just um, been kind of forced to make certain investments like the studio and supplies and travel to kind of sustain Mm -hmm. that direction. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm at this like kind of squeeze, which I'm sure so many millions of people are familiar with. Yeah, all of us out there. Of like just just getting past breaking even and getting to a point where you can try to save like a normal quote unquote person, you know, and buy see that people stuff. you're not the you see that everybody out there listening. Cause I know anyone that's listening to this show probably does yeah. probably is having that struggle, you know? Yeah. yeah pan, the, we have a lot of panhandlers, people that try to panhandle on the subway. That's a big part of our listening base here. Because it's a good way to start yeah, 50, out. 50,000 homeless people in New York. Just to disgusting, remind everyone. Disgusting. Know? And um, too many rich people. Donald Trump should give them housing. My advice is stick together. Freelancers, artists, creatives, and people who think differently. Just help each other. I know I wouldn't be here without my network. There you go. So you it's know. always important to like keep be active nice. <laughs> and be nice and, and do what you can. It comes back to you, right? It really does. Yeah, I, I've been amazed through this hard year at how it comes back to me the you know like people in my life that I've supported in the past um, that I never thought I would need their support and have supported me Dr. Lisa gives a shit